Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Saturday, January 13th. Happy Make Your Dream Come True Day, which was created by Jeffrey Mayer, author of Find the Job You've Always Wanted in Half the Time with Half the Effort to help people find their dream job, which he can do if you buy his book. Not that I'm trying to diss his book. I'm sure it's great. And if it helps somebody out, then God bless him. Mayer says you should make three lists. Number one, aspects of past jobs you found fulfilling. B, your skills and talents. And third, your accomplishments. I'm sure there's more, but that's where the calendar people chose to end that little TED talk. So that's all I got. Here's the thing though. When I was growing up, I remember some after school special telling me, it don't matter what you do for a living, the most important thing is that you love it. And if you do, that's great. You're very lucky. I'd say maybe 5% of the population makes a living doing something they love. The rest of us, however, have jobs that we really don't care for and wouldn't do if we weren't getting paid. But if you fall into that B-system trap of thinking you're supposed to derive some kind of spiritual fulfillment from your job, it's devastating when you don't. So you quit and find some other gig that's just as tedious with the same jerk boss and dumb co-workers as the last place. Till you find yourself running from job to job, trying to find something that you was never supposed to look there for in the first place. People seldom find fulfillment working retail or driving a forklift. They find fulfillment in God and their families and making music and fishing. The job is there to support the life, not the other way around. And we all know that we only eat bread by the sweat of our brow, but seek first the kingdom of God and everything else is gravy. Our reading for today is Genesis 28, 1 through 29, 35, Matthew 9, 18 through 38, Psalm 11, 1 through 7, and Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. So if y'all are ready, I'll be taking care of business and working overtime. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 12th in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 26, 17 through 27, 46. And when we left off, Isaac and Rebekah had settled with the Philistines and got rich in livestock, which the Philistines were not happy about. So they told him to leave. So they moved to the Valley of Gerar and he starts reopening Abraham's wells that he dug and the Philistines had filled in. So Isaac's servants dug a new well, but the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, went to war with them probably, saying, the water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek because they strove with him, and they digged another well and strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. So they move a little farther out again and dig another well, and this time the Gerarites let him be, and he called the name of it Rehoboth, and Esek means contention, Sitna means hatred, and Rehoboth means enlargement, or room enough. Then he went to Beersheba, which they were almost there anyway. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night, and gave him the same prophecy he gave Abraham his whole life. So Isaac built an altar to worship God and dug another well. So why keep repeating that prophecy? Maybe Isaac got a little complacent and needed to be reminded. I mean, how many times do you need to be told something? But then Abimelech and Ahuzoth, one of his buddies, showed up with Phicol, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac's like, this can't be good. But they said, no, let's make a deal. Obviously, God's on your side. And we don't really want to take him on, 
So how about we don't attack you or nothing, and you don't pull a Sodom on us, or sick them plagues on us, or drown us in the Red Sea? So he agreed, and they threw a party. Then Isaac's guys showed up and said they found water in that well they were digging, so he named it Sheba, which means oath. And the city there is called Beersheba, which means well of the sevenfold oath. And verse 34 says, And Esau was forty years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Bashamath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, not Elon Musk, it's another guy, <laughs> which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. Why? Because the Torah forbids marrying Canaanite women, except the Torah wouldn't be written for like another 500 years. So how'd they know? Well, I imagine God told them. I'm sure God's been handing down law to his people ever since Adam. That's how Noah knew which animals were clean. It's important to remember there's way more going on in the Bible than we're ever told. And why? Because God doesn't want you to know everything. And why is that? Because God wants you to be saved and come be with him. For that, he requires faith. And if he has to spell everything out for you and prove himself and satisfy all your doubts and questions before you believe in him, then that's the opposite of faith. And if you don't have faith, you can't be saved. If you do have faith, in spite of what you don't know, God will then tell you and show you a whole lot of stuff, as much as you can handle. It's like Mark 16, 17 says, signs and wonders follow those that believe, not the other way around. Anyway, chapter 27, time marches on and Isaac gets really old. He's blind and on his deathbed. So he calls Esau in and asks him to go kill a deer and cook him some venison one last time that my soul may bless thee before I die. Now remember, Esau already traded that birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup. And there's a prophecy that Rebekah got before they were even born that said the older shall serve the younger. So when she heard Isaac say just the exact opposite, she got to scheming. She calls Jacob and says, this is what you do. Go get a couple of baby goats and I'll make that savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. And you bring it to him instead of Esau. And Jacob's like, it'll never work. I ain't all fuzzy like Esau is. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. What he does not say is, no, mom, it's wrong to lie to dad and take Esau's blessing. <laughs> that didn't enter into it. But Rebecca's like, I'll take the curse. Just do what I tell you. So he does, and she cooks it up. And she puts some of Esau's clothes on Jacob, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck so he'd be all fuzzy like his brother. And the scheming heel catcher carries that food into his dad and pretends to be Esau. And you might think the voice would give him away, but I got two brothers and I can imitate them pretty good. <laughs> but seems Isaac is suspicious though, cause the voice ain't right. And he's like, boy, you just left. How'd you kill a deer so fast? And he said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. So now we bring in the Lord into this. And he says, come here and let me check you out a little closer. And he does. And Isaac's like, well, the clothes smell like Esau. And the fuzzy skin feels like Esau. I guess we got an Esau. And he blesses him. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you got a duck. Mm -hmm. Verse 28 says, Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And the Benson commentary says three things Jacob is blessed with plenty, power, and prevalency with God. And that's alliterative, so you know it's true. <laughs> About that time, Esau shows up with his bowl of food. 
And both him and Isaac realize they just got scammed and they freak out. And Esau says, well, just bless me too. But Isaac's like, no, it don't work that way. I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, father? And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. And by the sword shalt thou live, and serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And that's how it worked out. Though Esau was not personally subject to his brother, his descendants, the Edomites, paid tribute to the Israelites till the reign of Joram when they revolted and established a kingdom of their own. But we'll get to that in Kings and Chronicles. So what's the big deal? Why not just take back the blessing and do it the way he meant to do it? Well, first of all, there was some legality to this. But also, Isaac knew about Rebekah's prophecy that Esau would serve Jacob. And he knew he had been tampering with God's plan and had just been overruled. There was no going back. Because technically, this is God's blessing. Isaac is just the vehicle for it. And God orchestrated things the way he wanted it to go down. Of course, this starts a war between the two brothers, and Esau threatens to kill him after dad dies. So Rebekah sends Jacob to her hometown of Haran to live with Laban, her brother. Remember him? Until Esau cools off a little, and I send for you. And this is what Missler says about this. All participants were at fault. Isaac attempted to thwart God's plan by blessing Esau. Esau broke the oath he had made with Jacob. Rebekah and Jacob tried to achieve God's blessing by deception. Their victory would reap hatred and separation, because Rebekah never saw Jacob again. Jacob alone did not destroy the family. Parental preference did. So, in a sense, Rebekah and Jacob won, though they gained nothing that God would not have given them anyway. And they lost a lot. Yet, God worked through their conniving, because that's what he does. You can try to thwart his will, but he's getting his way. So Isaac and Esau were both 40 when they took wives, and Esau took a wife from among the people. And he didn't know that his parents didn't want him to do that. He found that out later. And Isaac recognized Jacob's voice and was uncertain, but went forward with the blessing anyway. And then one other thing. Who told Rebekah the words of Esau? He said them in his heart. And in the New Testament, we read Matthew 9, 1-17. And when we left off, the Gadarenes had just chased Jesus and his crew off for healing the demon-possessed guys in the cemetery and costing them other guys a herd of pigs. So they crossed back over to Capernaum, where a whole crowd of sick people wanting healing were waiting, namely a guy with palsy, which is a kind of paralysis. And Jesus says to him, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And verse 3 says, And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And scribes were kind of like secretaries, whose job it was to write stuff down. And as such, they knew shorthand and were skilled at taking dictation. So when the scoffers ask, How do we know what Jesus actually said if all these gospels were written so long after the fact? Well, because there were scribes following him around the whole time, taking down everything he said. And also because God preserves his word. And these particular scribes worked for the Pharisees, which were like hyper-religious lawyers and city council and justice department all rolled into one. They were all about the law. And they figured that only God can forgive sins, so what Jesus just said was blasphemous, unless he's also God. But one thing at a time. Jesus knew what they were thinking and called them out. He said, which is easier, to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk? but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralyzed guy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he did. 
And I don't know what the religious people did, but the crowd glorified God. Then Jesus walked around a little more and spotted Matthew on the clock in his little tax collector booth. And he saith unto him, follow me. And Matt don't even punch out. Kind of like a little mini rapture right there. And the way the show The Chosen portrays this is just awesome. So anyway, they all go back to Matt's place and throw a little party with many publicans and sinners. Read that tax collectors and lowlifes, like people who have to work for a living. Probably all Matt's buddies. And the religious Pharisees were unimpressed. They said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said to them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Y'all Pharisees need to go read y'all's Bibles, where it says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then maybe you can understand what I'm trying to do here. Then the disciples of John the Baptist came to him and asked, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but the disciples don't? And Jesus said unto him, Well, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And this is important. This is where we're introduced to the concept of Jesus being the groom and all us being the bride, and that the whole idea of marriage was from the beginning just a shadow of our relationship with God through Christ. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast, because he's going to be crucified, but not just yet. And then verse 17, he says, Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. In the Greek, it's wineskins, which are leather. But they also use these big leather bottles for wine, usually made from a whole goat or sheep. And the word can mean either one. And new wine is unfermented wine. They'd bottle it up to age it. And as the fermentation process released gases, the bottles would stretch to accommodate it. But as the leather aged, it got more rigid. And it was fine for the wine that was already in it. But if you try to reuse them, they'd burst. And what he's saying is, he's the new wine. He's here to do a new thing that the old law and religion can't contain. And that's where we stop reading. I just want to highlight chapter 9, verse 2. Jesus forgave and healed the man sick of the palsy because he saw the faith of his friends. I always like to point that out. It really matters who we hang out with. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 10, 16-18. And this is the last three verses of this psalm. It's David's wrap-up. It's just straight-up worship. He says, The Lord is king forever and ever, and to judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. And I want to read verses 17 and 18 out of the complete Jewish Bible. Adonai, you have heard what the humble want. You encourage them and listen to them to give justice to the fatherless and oppressed so that no man on earth will strike terror again. And in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, which says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. In other words, pay your tithes and offerings. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And they will, or whatever equivalent is appropriate for your specific situation. Tithing is the only thing God says to test him on. So give it a shot and see what happens. Giving God the first tenth of our income blesses the rest. It is a sacrifice, and we didn't do it ourselves for years. We had bills to pay and not a lot of money to cover them, and claiming to be Christian but leaning on our own understanding. We lived like everyone else when it came to finances. Natural wisdom that doesn't put God first. But finally, 
we began paying the 10%. First, inconsistently, and not always the first check, but eventually our faith grew. We tithe. We honor God with our money. And our understanding about money is changing. It's lining up with how the Lord sees it. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 13th is Genesis 28.1 through 29.35. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him, and charged him, and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padanaram unto Laban, son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob, and sent him away to Padanaram to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, and was gone to Padanaram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael, and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalath the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. And Jacob went out from Beersheba, and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took up the stones of that place, and put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Chapter 29 Then Jacob went on his journey, and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. And a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered. And they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, my brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. 
And he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot, until all the flocks be gathered together, and until they roll the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all of the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country, to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so, and fulfilled her week. And he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah his handmaid to be her maid. And he went in unto also Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah, and left bearing. Our reading in the New Testament for January 13th is Matthew 9, 18-38. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler, and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. 
But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Our reading in Psalms for January 13th is Psalm 11, 1-7. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. And our reading in Proverbs for January 13th is Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. And that'll do it for January 13th. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Revelation 2.10, which says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on freedom in Christ, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, some of us worry that the last best hope for the Christian world may be failing, that the only free country left is over. But we repent of such thoughts, Lord, for we know that even in a free country, there's no freedom outside of Jesus Christ, and who he sets free is free indeed. We repent of placing any faith in the beast system or the villains that control it. Forgive that idolatry and strengthen our faith in you. We are grateful to you, Lord, and for whatever you have planned for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yelling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them. Amen. You can look for us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. If you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. 
Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just don't make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. We're live. We're not live. It's not live. It's a recording. Well, that's live. We're live right now. I mean, we're not dead. <laughs> we're living the live.